Welcome, everybody. This is The Zero Hour. A podcast about life's critical moments. This is your co-host, Mark Fiertz. And I'm Christine Chapman. Hi, Michael. Welcome. We have Michael Morrow in the studio today. Say hi, Michael. Hi, guys. Uh, it's, uh, it's really nice to be here. and It was a nice surprise. And since you asked me, it's been a little bit of fun looking back into what my zero hours may or may not be and what they do. All right. Well, so I wanted to just sort of um, remind you, like, of some of the guiding questions that we asked ourselves as we started this idea of the Zero Hour podcast. And, you know, we we talked about aha moments, moments of truth, turning points, come to Jesus moments, axes of opportunity, right? And um, when I brought that up, I mean, you have had so many um I'm sure, as we all have, uh, zero-hour moments. And I think of the fact that you are somebody I've known since our girls were six, and they're pretty much 17 now. Um, and I've known you primarily as dad of Arden Morrow. Um, and I, I, you know, dear friend of my, my Celia, and I know that you are an immigrant who came over to this country um, from Ireland, and that you are an incredible, dedicated dad, which is one of the other reasons why I wanted to to interview you, um, especially my, uh, on the heels of Mark. Yeah, he's my Irish brethren. Yes. <laughs> so, so welcome, Michael. And I guess my question to you is, you know, as you think about the trajectory of your life, right? What was that sort of aha moment for you? What was your zero hour? So, I mean, I guess when I looked into this, you know, I looked at all sorts of things. And I think about, like, when you're a kid, you don't really have an awful lot of choice. And, you know, you kind of let your parents steer you one way or opportunities steer you another way as they kind of come up, you know. But as, as, a, as a thinking person, I think that there were a lot of things that went into it. But, you know, we've talked before about... You know my education and what I went through and, and uh, stuff like that. And um, you know I was I was a young kid in Belfast and you know trying to go to university. And you know, long story short, the first place that I went to, we came to an agreement whereby I would leave, and that was mutual. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and in in doing that, you know, I had you know some other options like you know what was I going to do? You know, I mean I had my I actually had my you know, papers filled out to join the police over in Northern Ireland. I was going to do that. You know, my dad was very against that idea, that idea because back then that was very dangerous. Um, oh. And uh, he he actually got me a, uh, a sit down with uh, you know somebody who I guess was related to doing you know admissions type work and uh, in another university. And um, you know, I went into that, inter- that that interview and I listened to the guy and he was a really smart guy. You know, talking about you know how if, if, if you waste time when you're young, you're really, it's not a financial time, you're actually losing money at the end of your career when you're making so much money. And it wasn't necessarily the money, it was the way this guy talked to me about, like, you know, what I was doing that, you know, I realized that, you know, coming out of this, I was getting another huge opportunity to go to university. Yep. And, and I, as a thinking person, remember thinking to myself, you know, I just need to be here. just need to be here. I need to go to the place. I need to, you know, I need to, you know, whether I'm tired, whether I haven't slept all well the night before, whether, you know, I just need to be present. Yep. And um, that was one of the things that I think about almost on a daily basis because 
out of that, you know, out of that, I, um, you know, made, I got opportunities and I made other decisions that I wouldn't have otherwise. You know, I mean, I, you know, I got a decent job at the university. You know, I, um, I, I decided, I made a conscious decision after working in that job for about seven years that I would take a slight pay cut to go and work uh, somewhere else. And the reason for that was they had already pretty much told me that they would pay for me to do a master's degree. Wow. Yeah, uh, so, you know, I did that. I got my master's degree out of it, and I actually ended up with an MBA. Um, you know, I realized I'm, I'm kind of rattling through a whole bunch of things That's here. Correct. But, you know, the, the, the MBA uh, that I did, um, for whatever personality I had, it was exactly what I needed because it uh, it was very rounded, as MBA you know, syllabus tend to be. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it, made me, it made me primarily look at myself from other people's perspective and look at business uh, decisions and, um, you know, just decisions in life generally from a kind of a 360-degree view and, um, and you know, analyze it and come up with what I thought would be the best way forward. Yep. Hey, Michael, would you say you're the, uh, the anomaly of your friends and where you grew up and how you grew up? Meaning, do they all get MBAs or... And do they all come to America at some point and thrive and build? Or are you like the one percenter? I would say I would say I was that I'm I'm normally in that, you know, I've come over here and I've done this. Um, but you know, I have got some friends back at home in Belfast and Northern Ireland. They you know, they, they all do very well for themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, they're they're all smart people in their own way. You know, some of them some of them went to college, some of them didn't. Some of the people that didn't go to college are making more, more are making the most money, and, you know, and, and that's that's just the way it is, you know. It's like you go through life and you come up with opportunities. I'm a big believer in never throwing an opportunity away. You know, just don't don't uh, don't, don't throw it away without thinking about it. You know, you might not like it. You know, live with it for a little bit, and um, you know, then make a decision. So. Michael, do you believe in this idea of manifestation, right? So you said you go through life and there's opportunities. Can you guide your life to create opportunities for yourself? Or do you land on opportunities? Like do you find them someplace or or do you create them? So here's where you realize that you're talking to somebody with an engineering background. Yeah, true. So you're very mechanical, right? So, yeah, but also very numbers-driven. And when you talk about create, uh, create to me means putting yourself in the best number of positions that you can think of or that, that you're presented to because some of them may well pay off very well. Um, so it's kind of like I, I think about yeah, is it manifestation somewhat in that you're, you're selecting what things you, you know, focus on and, and, and exert energy upon Um but it's kind of, it's like life, it's the lottery, you know? So it's a little bit of both from yeah. your perspective, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think life gives, gives you guardrails, right? Yeah. And sometimes you slip and you go over the guardrail, but you, you bring yourself back. Um, and you can kind of reorient yourself if you go off track a little bit, right? It sounds like... You know, even, you know, I didn't know you as a young boy, but it sounds like even as a young man, 
you had a different way of looking at things, right? That you like your 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 game plan was somewhat written for you that you were going to come to America, that you were going to, you know, thrive here, but maybe it wasn't like in your everyday. Like do Christine, do you think about that as well too that you are not your genetic code, but once you're born, the plan is set, right? And you can reorient and renavigate that plan based upon huh. these moments, right? And you know, we're talking about zero hours and moments in life. And like I kind of believe for myself, and if I believe for myself, I normally think, well, I'm thinking about Michael right now. I'm thinking, you know what? Michael's born as a young Irish lad, right? And he's living in Belfast and uh his, you know, life's game plan, his genetic code is what it is, and you can create opportunity or not to explore another path, right? Like I just that's kinda how I feel about it. I don't know where huh. really I'm going with that, but I guess, you know, the question and Mike's already answered it is yeah, I think you can create opportunity for yourself uh if you you know, if you focus and if you if you want to be there, you know. Right, like, right. But Michael, did you did you feel like you had like that adventurous spirit? Like you came to this country later on in life. Did you did you know that that was going to be a conscious choice that you would make? Was it something that you imagined? No, no. I, I never I never really um really had a lifetime to come into the United States. You know, that all, that all came whenever I met my wife. And, you know, we, we came over here for a whole bunch of different reasons. And it's, you know, it's just, you know, we're very happy over here. I think my grandmother, I think at one point, she said to me, I don't I think it might have been just after I met Marianne, but I remember, you know, she said to me, oh, you're going to go and live in America. And I hadn't really thought about it. And when I think about my current generation, you know, she was 90 whenever she died a few years ago. Yeah. So like, so like she'd seen a lot. She, you know, obviously, you know, and and um, you know, know that a lot of people from Ireland in general went to America. So I guess that probably just wasn't even a thought in her mind as to be a strange possibility. You know, right. in her in her lifetime, people did that. You know. But were you like, Grandma? You're out of your mind. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Or or was it like, oh, that kind of resonates. I could do that. Well, I mean, I remember it, so there has to, there has to be something that stuck. You That's know, true. I remember the conversation. You know, so there had to be something that stuck there. Like the so, so I spent some time in Dublin, so I, I have, uh, I don't know, a little bit more knowledge than the average schmo off the street. Um, so, but my my question is, as a young Irish lad in Belfast, that's a shit accent. Sorry. Um, yeah, something kind of shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do kids then and now, all right, so let's go then in the 70s when you were growing up, right, and now in the late 2000s, do kids then and now aspire to live outside of Ireland? Do they aspire to go to America, for example, or another European country? Well, so, I mean, thinking back to me being a kid, um, I didn't really know of any of my friends. We didn't talk about that sort of thing, you know, because we didn't know it was a possibility. You know, really, people felt that, you know, you went to school, you got a job, you got married, you got a house, and blah, 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 and that's what you did. Um, I think that obviously there is 
because of the situation over there and also because of some of the economic situations in, in Ireland as a whole, the, the, the brain drain, you know, it's like, you know, the people get well educated and either educated in Ireland or elsewhere and then, you know, they get a job where they stay in England or they travel and things like that. Um, so I, I know that there's a lot of you know, people, not necessarily a lot of people that I know, but that is a known you know, phenomenon or whatever you want to call it. But what it's like, what it's like these days, I'm really not sure. I, I would like, and I would like to think, you know, kids growing up there are happier, sort of happier staying there. You know, whenever I was, yeah. whenever I was leaving, I was kind of happy to uh, uh, not deal in uh, some of the parochial politics. It's a little bit embarrassing yeah. and it causes people to argue over there, and I, I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah, it's it's funny, Michael. I I I told you that when I uh, as an American when I moved to Dublin for that year. Three things you don't talk about, right? Politics, religion, and money. Um, right. You know the, and also when I was there in two thousand, literally, there is this notion of uh, the Celtic Tiger. Um, the Celtic Tiger is like was like a rebirth of Ireland, where everyone was coming back. There was a period of years, decades, where everyone left Ireland. Not everyone, a lot of people left Ireland to America and other places. For economy, economical reasons, but there in two thousands there was and still today uh, this burst of opportunity in dollars and international businesses coming in. They referred to it as the Celtic Tiger. Wow. Um, is that what's what's happening now, Michael? Like in the north, or is it is it different? I'm not. I'm not an. I'm not an economist. Yeah. Um, I do read the Belfast Telegraph every day on my phone. Yeah. And I think that they are probably in the in the north. They're probably more being impacted by um, Britain's decision to exit the European, you know, the European Union or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and and I think that with the, some of the some of the um, I'm sorry, the words not coming to me. Some of the economic downturns, if you want to put it like that, that yeah. has gone through over the past number of years. It's I think the, the Celtic Tiger has somewhat been um, declawed a little bit, um, um, and it's maybe not quite what it was. Yeah. And again, yeah. I'm not really talking from a position of, of, of knowledge here, so if, I'd, say, I'd say be careful about um, saying that the Celtic Tiger is still going strong uh, at the minute of just checking into it first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Michael, I'm going to redirect you back to the, your zero hour moment, right? Because you speak to, and, and, and let me get it correct, was that moment with the dean and the opportunity for you to re-enter into a new university program, get the undergraduate degree, and then move on years later to get your master's, was that moment before you got your undergraduate degree, your zero hour, or do you imagine it being like reflecting on having gotten through your MBA? And and to follow that up, Michael, how do you feel that that sort of educational win, because you have spoken about how that MBA has really been crucial, like mastering that aspect of your life has been crucial in your growth and has influenced your life 
in different ways, right? And you're, you know, how does it play out in other areas of your life, whether it's parenting or, you know, being a spouse or, you know, being a professional in the world? Like how, how have you seen the impact of that MBA or that moment with the dean where he gave you this opportunity and you were like, hey, I just need to show up? Is that the lesson? I think uh, that's that's somewhat of a distillation of it. Yeah, it's like, you know, in that moment, I realized we were having a conversation and this guy was talking, wasn't talking about me entering a university to start learning stuff. He was talking about when I go to retire, uh, what I will lose out on over those years and kind of like, you know, prime earning years if I don't, you know, pull my socks up and do the work now. Yep, yep. So that's kind of that I think maybe that's what got it to me, you know. That was a it was a very it was a good argument that nobody had ever used on me before. And I just thought it was a smart thing to say. And how has that lesson played out today in other aspects of your life? Um well first of all, it was the time, first time I realized that you actually can make like grown up decisions about your own life that you think you're gonna have to live with, right? You know? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's like, oh, God, okay, yeah, I, so I messed this one up. I'm getting another opportunity. This is like a do-over, you know. I, yep. First of all, this is great. I can do this. And you know, knowing that those moments exist. And you know what? You get, I get a buzz out of those as well. Yeah. You know, with the opportunity, every single opportunity I get, I get a buzz out of, like, being handed that opportunity. You know, I'm like, okay, this is something. let's look at it. You know, and it's, it's kind of fun to think about, you know, you know, Michael, you, you, you just said something. <clears throat> you said a lot of things, but the, the last 30 seconds uh, was interesting. You make your decisions, you make your choices, right? And you live with that. Um, and then you said, and you're, you're, very, you're very proud of your master's degree, right? And it's given you a lot of confidence uh, in life. Um, are you strongly encouraging your kids to do the same? Uh, as a result of how you felt about it. Um, you know, not all kids go to college. Not all kids get masters. But is it like, you know, a dad thing for you to say, do it? Or are you going to let your kid make their own decisions? Well, again, coming back to you know, my practical nature sometimes, I don't care what she does. Um, I, I, so I'd like her to have some sort of a plan. Um, you know, um, whatever course she ends up doing, I would like it to be something that, you know, goes away towards a you know feasible way of her supporting herself whenever she gets older and making her comfortable. But other than that, I'm not really I'm not really worried. I mean, I do, I do know this is something that she wants to do. But as far as other kids go, on, you know, I work in the construction industry in Boston, and um, and uh, you know, so I work with a lot of you know tradespeople. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of people that didn't necessarily go to college, but they did a you know they did an apprenticeship. And, sure. You know, they yeah. they they're very skilled at what they do. Yeah. And whenever, whenever I'm working with those folks, if one of those folks tells me something's wrong, and I haven't seen it on the drawings or I haven't seen it on the plans, or I didn't notice it. Again, this this does come with a little bit of experience, but you know, those people they know what they're talking about. You know, they know yeah. way more about electrical things or carpentry or you know. HVAC systems, or you know, you know, I have some structural background. But, you know, even, you know, structural stuff. Sometimes they pose up on as well. But you know, I think that 
you know, I'm this, you know, I go back to the NBA because for me, it was my personality. I needed that to run me off. You know, I didn't, I feel like that, that rounded me off very, very well. So, you know, when somebody speaks to me, you know, first of all, everybody deserves respect. Well, you feel empowered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but if somebody speaks to me about something and they tell me that, that something is wrong, um, you know, they're, they are, they, they know what they're talking about you know, in, their, in their field better than I do. I, I went around about the houses about that, but basically what I'm trying to say is you don't have to go to college. There's plenty of really good, well-paying yeah. jobs out there if you can find something that you love doing and you're interested in. And, uh, you know, a lot of them are, you know, you work for you, you do the work, and then you go home, and you don't have to think about it. So, you know, there's pros and cons to both sides, and I think, you know, somebody doesn't want to go to college, it's, you know, that's their decision. Yeah, that, that was that, that you just mentioned was part of my follow-up in that, you know, do you really, do you need education, or, or are you a skilled tradesperson, right? And listen, I know, like you, lots of people who don't have a formal education but make bank because they're really good at what it is they do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to each his own, I guess, at, at, the, at the end of the day. If you, if you have a trade, if you have a skill and you excel in that, college might not be in line with that, with your trajectory. You know, it might be something else. The other side of this is that, you know, what I see, you know, fairly often is, you know, folks that go in as, you know, laborers or carpenters, you know, and they end up in one of the unions or something like that. They'll do it for a number of years, and then, you know, maybe they want to do something else. So they'll go to, like, one of the schools like Wentworth or, um, you know, here in Boston, and they'll do, you know, a construction management degree, and maybe they'll transition into a a supervisor role or a project manager role Uh or something like that. So, you know, again, it's like you can start doing something. And you could do it for a number of years, and you know you can do something else. Like me, I would like to spin it into something else so that my experience doing whatever it was helps me do what I'm trying to do better. Somebody else may say, "I have enough of that. I'm going to try something else." And that may that may set you back a few a few dollars on the end of the day. But if, if you find out that you don't like what you were doing, don't make yourself miserable. Yeah, because you're not going to do a good job, and people aren't going to appreciate it. Man, I have been there. <laughs> I have been there. Michael, what advice would you would you share with our kids? Your kid, my kid, Mark's kids. Like if you could speak to the generation of kids who were between the ages of like, I don't know, say 12 and 19, 20, what advice would you would you give to those kids? Some of whom might go through really similar experiences as you. In yeah. terms of zero, in terms of zero hours, right? You know, yeah. you know, you know, we mentioned before you can have more than one. The one that I spoke about was probably the one that I think guides a lot of what I've done. But you know, first of all, like you know, when you're a kid, something weird happens. First thing is, you know what? Not everything is an emergency. Yeah. Just take it. Just take a deep breath. That's the situation, and uh, you know, don't need your. You know, anytime, <coughs> anytime I feel like. Knee jerk on something, and it generally doesn't feel good afterwards. Not everything's an emergency. The power of, you know, the value of a deep breath really is worthwhile. You know, if you're young, I mean, take as many chances as you can before you're tied down in a good way. But you know, do 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 those things that you want to try to do um, when you when you can. You know, it'll it'll go by really quickly. 
That's awesome. Thank yeah, you. That's, that is actually solid advice. Like, make the mistakes while you're young, right? Yeah. But, yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you. So, Michael, we're sort of winding down in terms of our time at this point in time. And I just um, I wanted to thank you for the advice and for spending time chatting with us and being our inaugural guest here. Erin Gobra. It's been a pleasure. And uh, hopefully the next time we'll do it with some food and drink in front of us. I like that. I love that idea. Thank you, Michael. Okay, guys. Thank Have you. Have a great afternoon. We'll talk to you later. You too. Cheers. Thanks, Michael. Bye. We want to thank Michael Morrow for joining us today and sharing a little bit about his experience as... I got to say, I miss the accent. You do? Uh, he's got a great Northern Ireland accent. He's awesome. No, I love the accent too. And um, I I love his story and I'm so, so grateful that um, we're here and exploring other people's stories that help empower us. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. So thanks for joining us for the Zero Hour. I'm Christine Chapman. And this is your co-host, Mark Fiertz. Have a great week. Until next time. Until next time.